Good morning to you. So glad that you've come out today. Those of you who usually come to the 9 o'clock service, our apologies. Uh, we, we hate to disrupt your normal schedule, but for those of you who are able to come at this hour, we're thankful. Those of you who are watching at a new hour, hopefully uh, that's all working and going well today as well. Got a, a fireside chat happening first this morning. I'll give you just a quick update. Um, keep praying for my back situation. This too shall pass. Right now it's just pain. Um, I've got problems in my L3, L4, and L5, and it's pinching that, that sciatic nerve, and so the leg is constantly aching. Uh, but I've seen signs of some improvement, and your prayers definitely make a difference. Uh, those of you who saw that I was waiting till April 12th to get the shot, uh, many people started praying. Well, the shot's now happening tomorrow at 3, so that's a, that's a good thing, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that actually will, will take effect and be good for it and maybe, maybe help a little bit. So keep your prayers going. And I want to uh, thank our elders. I, I want to let you know, you know, uh, some of you might think, why are they making him do this? Well, poor Pastor. No, no, no. Uh, I actually had a meeting and begged the elders not to sideline me. It was my proposal uh, to please don't just put me off in the pasture for a month or two. I'd rather preach um, with some changes. Obviously, I can't do two messages in a row, and they were very gracious. They were more than willing to have other people preach. Ben, thank you for last week, last minute notice. Uh, he's always capable and willing. We have elders who can preach. It's not that, that we couldn't do it. It's just that I love to preach, and I love to be your pastor, and I've been preparing these messages for a long time, and I, I just, I hope, uh, I look forward to this. This is the only thing I look forward to during the week right now, so we'll, we'll see how things proceed, um, and if it needs to change, it'll change. We will plan on having two services on Easter. That's a big day, and we want you to invite people, so on Easter, 9 o'clock and 11, and we'll, we'll go from there and see what happens, okay? Uh, but I appreciate you being patient with me. Also, some of you might want to uh, talk to me or say something to me after the service. I just want to let you know, um, as soon as I'm done preaching, I'm ducking out this door and getting in a truck, and I got to be in Waterford, Waterford and do a wedding today, uh, starting uh, really quick this afternoon. So weddings are things you don't just reschedule because of somebody's back, right? So uh, we'll get through that today, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue on. Keep praying. Appreciate your prayers. It's been effective. Uh, help me by going through and tell me what I'm supposed to talk about. So on Easter, uh, we do have free family picture day. And that's a useful thing for families. You can actually use that to promote our Easter day as, hey, you can come and get a, a real picture from a photographer with a background. That's a good family photo. But the ulterior motive is we want everybody in our church to get a solo picture off to the side so that we can populate our database. It's really important to have pictures and names. It's really hard when we don't have people's faces. Uh, we want to know names and faces. So we're going to kind of Take care of uh, two birds with one stone there that day. Do something for you, something we can promote. But also, uh, it shouldn't take you any extra work. You just take your family picture, stand off to the side, and get a mug shot, right? And then we'll take it from there. The whole staff's going to be on, ready to go. Melissa, is there a newsletter today? Okay, so here's the plan. When you leave today, Ben is going to make sure that we have newsletters and not the old ones. Last time I, I said, go grab the newsletters, hand them out, and there was old ones out there, and we handed you old newsletters. What good was that? So Ben will make sure that they're the new newsletters when you leave today, hot off the press. All this information will be in there. What else is up? Oh, the family uh, night starts April 13th, and so a lot of things need to happen, church. We need people to sign up 
to serve. We need treehouse servants. We've got to have um, uh, those leaders of each group, the helpers for each group, and we need you signing up. You can go to the Oak, sign up to be a helper. Those things would be really great for those six weeks. It's a out west train thing, right? What's it called again? I don't remember now, but it's an out west train thing. It's going to be great for our kids. And there's two adult equipping groups happening on Wednesday nights. The kids can go down. And then we've got a marriage uh, six-week seminar. It's called The Art of Marriage. Hopefully at this point, Julie and I are planning on doing that. Jim and Cheryl are our backups if I can't do that. Um, But the other one is called Anxious for Nothing. It's about anxiety, and Rich Dion is going to lead that for us on Wednesday night. So there's options for you. Uh, we want you to be here, sign up, and be part of that. We're looking forward to our treehouse happening. And then uh, the house shower. We're going to kick that into full gear because they're going to be home, and we're going to make sure we take care of our D&D by giving them a house shower and filling the, the place with items that they need. Look in the newsletter today, and you'll see some of that information, how you you can be a part of that and help. And don't forget, on April 23rd is that event for House of Providence, uh, that senior at Oxford's putting on that, that fundraiser for them. It's not an auction anymore, so uh, that went away, but it's now a raffle? Is that what it's called? A raffle. So there'll still be stuff, and you can still come and, and be a part of that. Make sure that's on your calendar as well. Did I cover everything, Melissa? All right, she says I covered everything. Why don't we pray? Would you pray with me this morning? Would you just say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Can you just give that prayer to God? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified and that uh, Satan would be horrified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben, could you take that? I'm so sorry. You've got to work all the time. Take that back there. I, I totally forgot to give that to. Um, thankfully, it's Wendy, and she can do amazing things. Um, I'm, I am going to need some verses on the side screen. Wendy, I'm sorry. I forgot to give those to you. Can't blame it on the drugs. I'm trying not to take opioids. It's just ibuprofen and Tylenol, folks. That's what we're doing today. So if you think I'm off and a little crazy, it's, just, it's normal, okay? That's just normal. It's the way he is. So we're, uh, we were going to start our Easter series last week. Um, and obviously that did not happen, so I'm going to kind of combine two of the messages today, but we are actually ramping up toward Easter Sunday, um, and, and this is the kicker on this. I, you just can't make this stuff up. I went away last fall to uh, a cottage with Julie for two days and did nothing but sermon plan for a year. So imagine I'm at this cottage on a lake and I'm thinking through and that's where I started really thinking about Romans, got excited about it. And then I started thinking about Easter. I'm like, what can I do for Easter? You're always trying to find something. And all of a sudden this idea came up that I thought, I really want to do this, but I don't know why I want to do this. The whole Easter series is about the posture of Jesus. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and it happens to be at just a time when I have no posture. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about why Jesus laid down, why Jesus knelt down, why Jesus 
um, all these different postures that people could take. Why did Jesus take those postures? And I, I just couldn't help but to think it was hilarious. Now I know. God knows these things. That posture would be important to me at this point. Um, I can't lay down. I can't stand up. I can't kneel down. I can't do anything. Sitting kills. Uh, everything hurts. And it brings to reality the why that Jesus ever knelt. The why would Jesus ever lay down? Why would Jesus do certain postures in his life? And so hopefully it'll, it'll bear itself to be true. It's called Jesus Is. Everybody say Jesus Is. Our Easter series is called Jesus Is. And today it's the son, the son who sleeps. The big idea today is Jesus was sent to save, but first he slept. You might not think that's a big deal because we know the story. And why are we starting a Christmas or an Easter series with a Christmas message in Luke? Well, uh, we got to go back to where it all began and see the first posture Jesus took was lying down and sleeping. Let's read it. I'll read it for you. This doesn't need to be on the screen. I'll read the text out of Luke 2. If you can find a, a copy of your text, Luke 2, 8 through 20, or go to a gadget and you can meet me there. Let's read this. From God's word. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now stop there. Eyeballs here for a second. I know we blow right on past that every year. It's a no-duh kind of a passage. Jesus shows up. He's a baby. You'll find him lying. In... This will be the sign to you. What do we need a sign for? You need to understand that They've been waiting for a Messiah for over a thousand years. The word Messiah had been used over and over and over again. A Messiah is coming to save Israel. The Messiah is coming to save you. There's, there's been poems and songs and verses up to this point written about this Messiah. I'm sure certain people drew paintings of the Messiah to come. They're expecting a Messiah of course, in their mind, they're thinking it's going to be a Messiah that saves our nation. He's going to come and this Messiah is going to whoop everybody into shape. This Messiah is going to come and, and we're just going to take charge. And, and, and that's what they're expecting. And the sign is said in Luke 2, this will be the sign. You will find a warrior with swords and shield. No, it's not what it said. You're going to find a great leader, the tallest one in all the land. No. God's coming straight down from heaven and he's going to have a cape. And he, no. A thousand years and we're looking for a Messiah. We're looking for somebody to change things. And here's the sign. It'll be a baby. Okay, he's going to be a baby with a cape though flying in the air, right? No, no. You're going to find a baby in swaddling clothes sleeping. Sleeping? We got problems. What do you mean sleeping? You need to know today, Jesus is 
the son who sleeps. I know you know the scriptures. Psalm 121 tells us, my God does not sleep nor does, does he slumber. The psalmist is saying that your God doesn't sleep on you. Don't worry about it. Your problems are not unseen. Our God does not sleep or does he slumber, but he sent his son. And when he came, he slept. And I think he slept well. The son who sleeps. Let me keep reading. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and an incredibly strong baby lifting rocks above his head. No. Let me see. Where was that? That That must have been the English version. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and this incredible baby superhero thing that could do incredible things and fly all over the place. And not, they found the baby who was lying in a manger. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like underimpressed, right? I'm, I'm kind of like, we've been waiting for the Messiah. And you show up and he's like, can he do anything? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? I I thought of Ben and Kylie today and I put pictures because it's coming. It's coming. There's a time coming. And Kylie, I'm just going to warn you, I love naked baby feet. I just love naked baby feet. I'm going to kiss those naked baby toes. I just love naked baby feet. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph, you know, going over every inch of this infant and, and, and checking out the hands and the, and the, the nose and the, the lips and the, those cute little baby feet, little pudgy arms. And, but can you imagine them in their mind thinking, and they can't, even, they can't even stammer out the words, they can't even mutter the word, the M word, Messiah? He looks an awful lot like a baby, <laughs> No superpowers yet? I I can't imagine Mary and Joseph even could bring themselves to say the word Messiah when they saw the baby just sleeping. I think it's important to start our whole Easter series by, by understanding that Jesus was the Savior who was sent to save the world, but the first item was to sleep. Our God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. But when Jesus came, he slept. When they had found him, this is verse 17, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child. All that heard it were amazed at what the angel said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorified and praising God for all they had seen and heard, which are just as they had been told. Man. First the Greek, then the Roman Empire influence was totally destroying the legacy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The people were suffering. We needed a Savior. And God sends this baby. There's five things I just want to give you today about the son who sleeps. Why did Jesus sleep? Number one, Jesus sleeping magnifies the humanity of the Messiah. The fact that Jesus could lay there in this manger and sleep magnifies that he was fully human. Fully God, yet fully human. I don't know if Wendy had time to get him up there, but Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Thank you, Wendy. You're a superstar. 
But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that those we might receive adoption to sonship. What does all that mean? Jesus arrives with perfection and godliness, yet takes the full human journey. Has that ever sunk into you? That Jesus came as God's son, but he had to come as a baby. God couldn't send 33 and a half year old Jesus directly from heaven and then right to a cross. It would have been cheap and meaningless to us. Instead, he sent him as a baby with full humanity and he slept. It, it, it boggles my mind to even think about it. How could we follow Jesus' footsteps as a man if we hadn't seen him crawl as a child? How could we believe he had to undergo all the temptation we face if he bypassed the most difficult years we struggle to earn adulthood? This is why Jesus came as a baby. And this is why the first object for him to do was to sleep. Because that's what babies do. They'll sleep. You'll like that part for a while. They'll sleep, they'll eat, they'll poop. And from what I've heard, Ben needs practice. I heard he hasn't done this yet, so I'm hoping he gets good at it. But they sleep, and it's amazing when they sleep. I mean, Mary and Joseph had to be thinking, are you going to do something? When's he going to do something? I mean, is the Messiah, what, is this, can you imagine our president going over to Poland and giving a speech and saying, we know that Ukraine is in turmoil here, and we've got a plan. We're going to send you 30,000 soldiers to help you in this fight, but they're going to be babies. You just got to wait for a while. All of you would know that if everybody would be like, what? What do you mean wait? We don't want to wait. We need a fix now. We want, we want something right now. And, and the world could have missed it because the first thing Jesus did was sleep. That's not expected. But it was perfect because it showed us, it magnified the fact that he was human. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that we who are the Son of Man might become the sons of God. So Jesus slept. The second thing we see about Jesus sleeping is it magnifies the humility. I mean, he knew the plan. Once you go and you're born as a child, you're going to have to grow as a child. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature as a man. He didn't just skip that. You know, when people walked out of the room, he didn't just start speaking in Greek and Hebrew and all these things. You know, he, he learned everything. Like we, he's li- he was limited to being a man, but fully God. Talk about the humility, the humility from heaven to know that, that he would have to do that. Luke 2, 51 says this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Can you imagine the humility of a baby Jesus who knew he had to sleep, eat, poop, trust? You know, by the way, the swaddling clothes weren't permanent. They got changed quite often. You know, we like to, we like to uh, make everything a little bit too holy when it comes to the baby Jesus. The swaddling clothes changed. <laughs> he slept. He ate. He needed help. He obeyed his parents and went with them. How hard would that be to be the, the son of God from heaven and being told what to do? Oh, the humility, the humility of Jesus. The, the, the word there in the Greek is 
hupotheno, which means to subordinate oneself, to obey or to put yourself under. That's the humility of Jesus. Why did Jesus come as a baby? He came as the son who sleeps because he wanted to show us his full humanity. He wanted to show us his full humility. He would suffer all this indignity for 33 and a half years of mankindness. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 says this, For Christ also suffered... That kind of went fast. There it is. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very servant of a nature, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even death on the cross. Christ is the example of humility because he not only did he die on that cross, don't shorten that. We're going to get to Easter, and it's an amazing story that Jesus would die for you. But don't forget, he came as a baby and had to sleep and wake up, trust that somebody would bring him food, trust that somebody would clean him up, (laughs) take the time to grow, go through every opportunity of temptation that you and I go through and yet perform amazingly and not sin. All these things are true about the son who sleeps. The next thing is it magnifies his holiness. Again, if God came straight down out of heaven and then died on a cross, how difficult would it have, there would have been nothing. I mean, there's been many martyrs. But for him to come and to live as a baby, grow up into a man, and never have sinned magnifies that holiness. It magnifies the holiness. He fulfilled every expectation of prophecy. He came and he was who he said he would, but he also fulfilled every expectation of purity. Not once in 33 and a half years did he succumb to temptation. All the temptation that you and I face, that we fail at times, he never failed. That's a a God who is human and humble, but also holy. Also holy. The fourth thing that I think it illustrates that Jesus magnifies by sleeping is the heartache of the Messiah. The Bible says, uh, 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He suffered. He suffered for us. He came to suffer. In Luke 2, 34 and 35, do you have that verse? This is right at his birth. A sword is mentioned. It's not good at the birth, a sword is mentioned. But Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. When Jesus came, it was prophesied and made clear that he was here to suffer and die. But he was taking the long journey. He was taking the long journey. 33 and a half years of walking as man. I had time this week to think about... We're very short. Like, we have low pain tolerance and low any tolerance. We want things fixed now. Uh, I had one dark night. Uh, It was awful. Um, the pain was so bad that I, I could not lie or stand or sit or kneel. And so all I could do is, is I, I leaned against my kitchen counter. And so there was about 18 hours where this is all I did. 
And it was through the middle of the night and into the next day. And by the time that was done, the bottom of my feet hurt so bad. The bottoms of my feet were swelling and they hurt so bad. I was in big trouble. That's when we went end up going to the emergency room. That was a week ago. <laughs> and I, I stop and think, Jesus came knowing it wasn't going to be a week and you'll get better. It wasn't going to be a two-week thing. It was going to be a lifetime. He was going to have to be born and grow and suffer, face temptation and not succumb. All these things had to happen for the God-man to be what was prophesied, the Messiah. You're bought with a price. That's one thing the heartache should remind us, that we each should remember that Jesus did this for us. When we get toward Easter, this sacrifice he did on the cross was a culmination of 33 and a half years of suffering for us. Number five is the sleeping mag- the, Jesus sleeping magnifies the hope, the hope of the Messiah. We have hope of sympathy, Hebrews 4, verse 15. Hebrews 4, 15. If we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's why I say it would have been cheap if God had just sent Jesus down uh, on cross day, he came from heaven and went right to the cross and then he died. Okay, that's a martyr, but I don't think we would have the full hope that we have. We have full hope because he was like us in every way and yet did not sin. He felt the pain. He felt the hurts. He felt all these wounds. Even going to the cross, he suffered. And we can have hope knowing that we're not alone knowing that we're not alone. He has suffered. He, he's with us. Everybody say with, because with is such a good thing. We have hope of sympathy, but we also have hope of salvation. Luke 2.11, back to Luke chapter 2. Why did he come? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Those are five reasons why Jesus sleeping, the son who sleeps, makes a difference for Easter. But how could he sleep? So what do we learn from this? What can you walk away with today? A couple quick things. A lesson from the son who sleeps. Number one, he's got to know his father is in charge. How could Jesus lay there and just sleep? It's easy to sleep when you know your dad's got this. Did he sleep with one eye open? Worried about Herod? No. No. Jesus came and you know what? He slept great. He slept fine. He knows his father's in charge. God arranges things to happen. God took one of the worst people on the planet of that day, Caesar Augustus, and moved in his heart, in his own vanity, to call for a census to be taken. Why? God had to move Mary and Joseph over to Bethlehem. God arranges things. Do you know a God that arranges things? Do you believe in a God who arranges things to happen? I believe it's true. I believe it's true. Those of you who prayed that that shot would, we still don't know why. Uh, they were so cold and telling me April 12th was the date. And then the next day when I called, they're like, uh, we need to get you in here. How about three o'clock Monday? I'm like, who talk to them. I don't know. Somebody, somebody here at Oakwood might have mafia ties. I don't know. I don't know if it was my doctor who called. I don't know. But they changed their tune and got me in. And, and you know what? I hung up the phone and I'm like, kind of not surprised. I asked you guys to pray. I believe that God arranges things. Um, Julie and I had been in this uh, ER 
she's a she's a great helper. Um, the the first night I went to the ER, the only thing I could do was lay on a cot, and they didn't have any rooms, and so we were in the hallway. And the only thing that would stop me from screaming is Julie had to hold my leg straight up in the air. And so everywhere where the bed went, Julie's holding my leg straight up in the air. We're going to add this to our premarital counseling. (laughs) We're going to add this because I'm sitting there realizing while I'm in this hospital hallway while my wife is just holding my leg in there. And she even looked at me at one point. She said, I forgot to wear my wedding ring. I said, honey, if they don't know you're married to me. A ring doesn't do it, but you holding my leg straight up in the air everywhere we went, following me around, keeping that leg in the air. I'm telling you, we had an angel of mercy who was just fantastic, and she helped me, and she was wonderful, and she actually even said, you know, you could stay or you could go home, and I chose to go home, and then ended up 12 hours later, agony, trying to get back to the hospital. We got back to the hospital, and as soon as we got there... She come the same lady. I don't know if she works twenty four hour shifts or what. The same lady come flying in the room saying, "Oh no, I saw your name." I'm like, "What are you looking for my name for?" I think she knew we were coming back, and you know she was on top of it. And I just think, I'm not surprised she was there. I got a father who's in charge, and we might suffer things from time to time. But all in all, I'm here to tell you, my God arranges things. He does things, and he can change anything. And that's, that's how come Jesus can sleep. How can he come and lay in a manger? He's got a dad who's got everything under control, and that's the second thing. Not only is his father in charge, because you can be in charge and absolutely have no control, but our God is in charge, and he's in control. He controls all things. The Bible says from the moment he sent Jesus to this earth, it was inevitable Everything was going to change. Do you know him? This son who sleeps, the son who eventually goes to this cross, do we fully understand all the postures it took before he took that one? First, he slept. It wasn't the only time he slept. I'm going to throw in a couple of quick little reminders. He also slept in Mark. Can I read that for you? Mark chapter 4, 38 through 40. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and the waves. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? But make no mistakes, he was sleeping. The son who sleeps, and then this week was supposed to be the rescuer who rests. That's Jesus. He came to save, but first he slept. And even when the ship's going down, he's napping. And he's not faking it. The Bible says they had to wake him up. And it says when he woke up, he was sound asleep. I kind of appreciate the fact that my God never sleeps or slunders, but Jesus could take a good nap. He gets me. He gets me. And you don't sleep well with pain. You don't sleep well with anxiety. You don't sleep well with fear. You don't sleep well with doubt. But my Jesus, he sleeps. He even takes a hard, cold nap in a sinking boat. There's a a picture I want to show you. 
I know you guys are geeks. I had to take art appreciation in college. I hate to say it. It was actually one of my favorite classes. Let me get a little geeky on you. This is a Rembrandt. It was painted in uh, 1633, I believe. I think I wrote it down. In 1633. Rembrandt, by the way, was only 27 years old when he painted this. He was from Denmark, wasn't he? Which is like, isn't that like on the coast? He only drew one picture of nautical theme, and it was this one. You would have thought somebody on a, a shore would have drawn But he only drew one picture of a nautical theme, and it's this. And it's called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's representing the story I just read you out of Mark. I want you to notice just real quickly what he does. It's just amazing. Obviously, you've got this boat in turmoil. But look how he takes the mast of the boat separates this picture right in half, a quadrant here and a quadrant here, but the mast actually is kind of a cross. And remember, it kind of puts a cross right in the middle of the scene, dividing this. And it's, he, he's just amazing with contrast because on this side of the boat is the most turmoil. This is where all the waves are crashing, but it's the lightest side. Isn't that crazy? Because over here where it seems to be calmer, it's dark. He just flips things around. And then you, you got to look at the people in the boat. You've got, you got people on this boat, obviously, trying to tie the thing back together, make things settle down. They're pulling and they're tugging and they're fixing and they're everything they can do. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's doing something on this boat. But I want to bring you a little close up. We're going to take just this little square and blow it up here so you can see it. Gotcha. So you've got Jesus. Just got woken up. He's sound asleep. You can see these two guys are trying to, you know, maybe gently, because they did say teacher, which was kind of nice. Wrong name if you're sinking, and I would like, like, savior of the world, that would have been a good one. Uh, they don't need to be taught anything right now. They just, they want him to do something. But they wake him up, and they, they teacher, so they kind of show respect, and then they throw him under the bus because they're like, don't you care that we're going to die? And so you've got these guys. That's their job. Wake him up. This guy's trying to somehow steer the boat that's out of control. This guy looks afraid. We all know what this guy's doing. Anybody ever been on a boat and got seasick? I love Rembrandt's. That is exactly it. If you haven't been there, done that, you're missing out. Because when it's gone, it's gone. And then if you took time, and you don't need to be a, an art geek, but you just have to take a moment. Look at the big picture and start counting. And there's 14 people on the boat. There's 12 disciples in Jesus, but who's, who's this 14th person in the boat? We don't know for sure. But Rembrandt typically would paint himself into his paintings. And I think it's him right there. He's the only one that seems to be looking at us. He's the only one that seems to be looking at the audience of the picture saying, have you been here? I think he put himself in the boat with Jesus because I think Rembrandt had experienced this. The long, dark, hopeless night. I think Rembrandt had experienced that. And he puts himself in the boat but the one that nobody ever gives enough credit to, and that's what I want to ask you today, is this hidden guy. Can you see him? He seems to be the only one at the feet of Jesus praying. My question for you today is, where are you at on the boat? Don't be worried that Jesus is asleep. Of course he's asleep. 
His God's in charge and He's in control. He's not afraid of anything that's going to happen. But our boat gets turned upside down from time to time. And so we, we, we need to be on the boat. And you can either be on the boat frantically trying to tie the sail down. I mean, that's me, right? Let's try to fix this thing. Let's, let's try to steer it from the back. I mean, I don't know what that guy's thinking. He's trying to steer a boat that's going to go down in the waves. Or you can be the guy that just simply says, you're not just teacher to me. I think you're my savior. And you get on your knees and just say, I need you. I need you. I need your peace and your calm. Can only, the, the only person on that boat who could wake up and declare peace is the only one who was having peace before they woke him up, right? You ever been woken up from a nap? It's not a pretty place to be. Can you imagine Jesus coming out of the fog, but he still had enough power to say, peace be still. All right, now, why, why, why are you guys crying? I mean, I can't imagine that moment. That moment. Our God is at peace. Our God rests. Our God sleeps. But I want to end with Christmas. I'll have the band come up. Man, why don't you come up now as I close with this. We, we talked about Christmas. So I thought I'd end with a Christmas illustration. I was reading this week about a, uh, a Christmas program. You know how they have Christmas programs in elementary school. And of course, today, in today's world, mom and dads are so busy and they're always running. And a mom could not make the performance and she was devastated. But she found out that they were having dress rehearsal the morning of. And so her and the other moms and dads who couldn't make the performance, they went for the practice. And so she sat there and it was called Christmas Love. That was the whole program. And, and she sat and watched as all the kids got lined up and they lined up all the kids across the stage. And of course, Christmas love, they had each kid on the front of the stage was, was holding one letter. One, one held the C, one held the H, and one held the R. You get it. And so all the kids held the letter. And when they got to that letter, that kid would hold their letter up as high as they could. And they would say something about Christmas love using the letters of Christmas love. Well, it, it was her daughter that had the M. And so she's watching as they go through C-H-R-I-S-T, and then the moment came. Her daughter held her letter up as high as she could, but she held it up upside down. All the kids are snickering because instead of an M for Christmas love, she's holding up this W as high as she could, and the kids are snickering and giggling, and the teachers are trying to get them to be quiet. Everybody's trying to, oh, no, this is not going. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the audience saw it, what she had actually done was make a declaration. Christ was love. Christmas love is Jesus sleeping. He came so that you and I would eventually find a Savior on a cross. But for in order for him to get there, he first had to be born and humbly live and grow. Obey and honor his parents not sin, walk a completely humble and holy life so that when it came time to the cross, 33 and a half years later, we would have a perfect sacrifice. So Jesus came to save the world, but first he slept. I declare a nap day. If you want to take a nap today, take a nap today. Amen. God bless.